time stuff that I wish I had. The big time stuff that'll make you mad. The big time stuff. I like the big time stuff. I like the big time stuff that I never had. Anything you want to share about the markets that's interesting on this November 19th? Um, the turnaround in the markets on Monday was pretty extraordinary. Um, in a statistical measure, you know, the markets were rallying hard on the um, vaccine news we got Monday morning from Moderna. And then there was a reversal that was pretty abrupt. Um, many statisticians, of which I am not uh, a member of that group, have claimed it was a six to eight standard deviation event. So <laughs> that's such a turnaround in the intraday trading of a market going from um, all-time highs to ending negative was a severe reversal and that that foreshadows more volatility. We've definitely had that, but I don't know. I mean, that's a very interesting take. We've just been seeing more and more um, increases in volatility, and it does feel to me a lot like it did back in 1999 where you just had uh, the NASDAQ back then. And of course, technology stocks today zooming ahead with very little uh, economic value underneath, except for growth in revenue. Or, um, or going public like Airbnb. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or stock splits, things that really don't um, impact the business. I guess growth in revenues is good if you can monetize it and turn it into profits. But I don't know that uh, many companies will. There are only a few Amazons and Facebooks of the world, ha, two to be exact, one of each, um, that were able to really do it. And there have been a few other examples, but by and large, these companies, Uber and Lyft, which have been um, toiling away for years without profit, um, will probably continue in that way until they hit the wall. I'm curious about you know why people are so excited about the Moderna news when all the Moderna insiders started to sell big time this year, right? Like, how does the market forget that? Amnesia. Amnesia. The CEO, the CSO, they all start selling a ton of stock this year. What, 60, 90 days ago? Yeah, yeah. They missed the big pop. No, well, they got a big run up. I mean, that stock went up 400% by the time they were selling. Yeah, but I wouldn't figure if I was a CSO, and I don't know what I don't know, right? Let me just start with that. But if I was a CSO of a vaccine, you know, of a company that was building a vaccine that the world needed, and I knew good news was coming around the corner, would I sell my stock? Yeah. No, well, I wouldn't think you would. All of it? I think he sold all of it. Yeah. Yeah. The CSO? Yeah. Did? No. Yeah. Um, I believe you're correct. Uh, we need a fact checker on that. But I think it's true. I think the certainly the bulk were sold. And that was the news that shocked the market back in, I guess, what was that, um, July? Um, yeah. Yeah, that it didn't look promising for the vaccine because why would the insiders in Moderna be selling so much after a run-up on promise? Um, but who knows really what's going on under the hood. It could be that they've had so many um, attempts at an RNA vaccine that failed. <laughs> they figured they would just take what the markets gave them. I don't know. I'm not trying to be an apologist for Moderna, but I don't forget. I think that's a very dark, uh, a big red flag, uh, a black mark <laughs> on the management that they would really do that in such scale. You know. 
Right. Yeah. I just wouldn't have figured that. Yeah. Um, but I'd also say, um, you know, too, Neil, if we really look at the last six months, it's been extraordinary. Um, as I was saying at the beginning of our call, you know, 20% of all the dollars in circulation now were just born in the last six months. So the supply of dollars globally has increased pretty remarkably by one-fifth just in the last six months. It is, it is crazy to think, right? Because could you imagine the population growing by 20%? Yet we could, no. we could grow our dollars somehow by 20%, right? right. Like in six right. months. Or that, right. And, and it dwarfs any sort of, uh, well, the economies of the world have been contracting. But I think this has been the case for a number of years, mostly because of debt growth, which has been um, greater than GDP growth. You know, so you borrow a dollar and it generates 79 cents in growth. That's a very backwards equation. You know? Very anemic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you keep piling on the debt. And of course, that's a diminishing return you're getting. For each new dollar of debt, you're getting less and less um, income until it eventually does turn negative. So this is the um, Hyman Minsky <laughs> uh, debt Ponzi uh, scheme that he proposed theoretically. But it definitely seems when we have this overhang of non-productive debt that uh, it does diminish the economic vitality. Every succeeding economic recovery since the 2000 uh, dot-com crash has been weaker and weaker. Um, we just seem to have lost that great economic spark and vitality we had post-World War II. But of course, then the whole world was climbing out of a ditch. Um, so the growth was rapid, but it was sustained for quite a while, well into the um, late 60s, um, and some would argue even into the mid-70s. Did you see futures like this occurring where, you know, I know it's a really hard comparison, so maybe there's not a good answer to it, but you see the insiders of a stock sell, the entire market <laughs> responds to that stock with some very basic press releases as good. Um, these, you know, these things are antithetical to me, right? Like completely. And I'm wondering if that was a feature of some stuff you saw in the 90s or if that's something you see regularly. I don't watch the public markets like you do. So is this something you see regularly or saw in those those other places, you know, the 60s, 70s, or the 90s? Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. There, um, there are times like now, um, you know, we talk about Moderna. Um, it could just be, again, that these insiders um, were surfing the wave. They saw this mountain of liquidity. They saw what it did to stock prices and the index averages. And they said, now's as good a time as any to get out. And if you think even just back to what we discussed last week, Neil, the economics of COVID, even with a vaccine, it's likely one and done. It's not going to create any sort of annuity income or ongoing income for any of the developers. Um, again, for Moderna, you know, the government's already um, stumped up the money for 100 million doses, which is about 50 million households or so. Um, I don't know how much more than that they're going to really obtain in terms of returns. 
um, and well, generating income. So I, I don't think that's necessarily a fair comparison. Um, Moderna does have an RNA platform. They're probably going to come up with other drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, they could be the first, you know, it could be Pfizer, it could be them. Um, mm-hmm. People to come out with an RNA vaccine, which is where all of the vaccines, I believe, will go. Um, to RNA, so yeah, so there, there's not just a sunk cost and loss there. There's an understanding of how mm-hmm. to use a platform to develop around um, other disease models. I would argue that's true, Neil. I agree, but then why did everyone sell? Right, I'm right. So it's mad. not one of them. It's like a bunch of. I was trying to look this yeah. up on yeah. Insider or SECform4.com. Yeah. <laughs> right, you can see the insider sales. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, normally in the public markets, when we're looking to invest, we want to see what the management team, the people who know the most about the company have been doing. Have they been accumulating shares? Have they been selling? Um, Of course, as insiders, a lot of the sales have to be planned in advance. Um, But still, it gives you an idea of their belief. And are you investing alongside of the management or the founders or the family who is in control of the the uh, investable entity in in the company. Um, That's a very big indicator uh, and definitely makes us more constructive on any potential investment when we see um, people who are in the know and insiders accumulating. So shift gears with me. We talked about the energy complex last time. Um, Mm -hmm. And obviously that's a a space you're paying a lot of attention to right now and commodities Mm -hmm. in general. Are you seeing... Um, the market do anything other than what you expected over the last couple of weeks in in commodities or or energy? Yeah, the last couple of weeks have been very solid uh, for returns in energy, but it's been a very long trek through the desert. So we, you know, became somewhat bullish on the commodities complex uh, beginning way back in 2016 when global growth first slowed. Um, and there was a rally in the precious metals markets and, um, again, some of the uh, base metals miners um, in the early part of 2016 that kind of fell apart at the end of the year. And then again in 2018, another rally. But they've been um, just very um, thin in most cases and, and episodic. Now it seems a little more consistent. Um, Parts of the market which rallied early, like precious metals, that complex has been soft since August and consolidating the gains they've made. Um, but generally, the other parts have sort of picked up. So in the grains, in um, especially energy, over the last three weeks or so, uh, and really this uh, quarter ending in September and beginning October, we've seen the energy complex really start to catch a bid. Um, I think, too, there's some rotation uh, because, again... Uh, this market really does remind me a lot of 1999. The technology values are so stretched. And of course, they could keep going higher, but it does seem like there's some rotation. Um, portfolio managers, institutions seem to be looking to somewhat protect their gains. And they do so by buying companies that are in the value box um, that offer some greater protection of principle and room for growth than continuing to track um, momentum and follow companies that are conceivably growing, but without much return for the shareholders other than in the share price, which isn't guaranteed. So I don't know. We're not seeing, um, you know, it's, a, it's very funny. So one of these weird markets, if a company has no earnings 
then their valuation can be to the moon because it's all just dependent on your imagination. <laughs> well, you also right? do see things uh, mispriced um, regularly too, right? So, uh, oh, you know, yeah. things are. Yeah. Pre- what was the, the big cloud yeah. um, IPO that. Yeah, Snow, yeah, right, that Warren Buffett yeah. invested in it and doubled in value. Yeah. So I still think there's some of that as well left in technology. Um, oh, yeah. I, yeah. Are, are you seeing that in venture as well, Neil? Are the are the uh, and I guess it's a you know you've come into an industry that was once um, nascent and born but has really matured uh, in many ways so it's broad but uh, uh, certainly a lot of ventures going into software right so um, you know I guess I'm not seeing you're asking if I'm seeing um, mispriced opportunities. Yeah, or if you're seeing like a significant re-ratings. So you may invest in a seed round at a certain valuation and expect the A round to bring in a higher valuation. I've seen some stuff, but all but, within range of what, what I would expect. I see. Um, uh-huh. I also think it's not a fair comparison. Like I've said a couple of times before, um, healthcare is going through the, the healthcare race just like you know um, the U.S. went through the space race uh, as a result of Russia launching sputnik so i expect not to see some of the exact same trends i don't and so that means that innovation is going to happen more often but there's still not very many people to capture that innovation right there's less than 100 uh vcs focused on life science at the early stage um like we are um and just maybe even 100 vcs uh, life science vcs who call it who do five deals a year or more um, mm-hmm. where you've got 2,000 tech VCs. <laughs> so, you know, overly commoditized capital, chasing the same good deals versus we can watch a deal for a long time. We're about to invest in a company that we followed for 14 months. 14 mm-hmm. months. That, that doesn't happen in tech. 14 months, that company should either be worth, you know, 5X or, or bankrupt. <laughs> <laughs> Well, happens quickly. It right? happens quickly. I mean, I guess that, yeah. that means something, but, you know, I'm not, yes, we're in venture, but it's like comparing investing in finding a, a venture type niche in farmland or farm product and then comparing it to tech. It's just so different. I, see, yeah. I, don't, mm-hmm. I don't think it's a good comparison. And I, you know, it's not like we're exact exactly investing in things without technology. It's just to say that um, because there's not 2,000 funds, you know, 6,000 professionals paying attention to it every day um, means we're mm-hmm. in a nice little niche that we quite enjoy. Yeah, yeah. And I think you're, again, outside of the Silicon Valley uh, area. You know, I always wondered why the problems that Silicon Valley seems to solve are the problems of 28 to 40 year old white males with college educations. <laughs> but then I realized. Came up on San Francisco. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. That that's who occupies Silicon Valley. So of course you want a new dating app. You want to, you know, have your food delivered. You want to solve those little inconveniences and make things a little easier for your life. But um, a medical technology and dealing with, uh, you know, diagnostics and disease 
is probably off the radar for most of the Silicon Valley inhabitants. I haven't really thought about it that way. 18 to 40-year-old males aren't as interested in um, anything other than living forever in healthcare. Yeah, uh, and or, or solving the problems that are present for them. You know, I mean, it really is in some ways uh, when you look at the, the technology solutions that are coming out of um, a lot of that venture space, uh, Silicon Valley, they are seemingly meant to solve the problems of, you know, 18 to 40-year-old <laughs> or 20 to 40-year-old males, college-educated Americans. Um, anyway, so you're, you're, it's uh, probably good that you can step away from the music of that dance hall and find the investments <laughs> that... Probably you know. good. Thank you. Yes. Right. I feel like yeah. it's probably good too.